Chapter Nine of the Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Medicine Bottle. Heatherwick went away from the sordid atmosphere of Fligwood's rents, wondering more than ever at this new development. He continued to wonder and to speculate all the rest of that day and most of the next. That Granite's sudden death had followed on Hannaford's seemed to him a sure proof that there was more behind this mystery than anybody had so far conceived of. Personally, he had not the slightest doubt that whoever poisoned Hannaford had also poisoned Granite, and he was not at all surprised when, late in the afternoon of the day following upon that of the visit to Dorking, matherfield walked into his chambers with a face full of news i know what you're going to tell me matherfield said heatherwick motioning his visitor to an easy chair the doctors have held a post-mortem on granite and they find that he was poisoned well and that's just what i was going to tell you he answered that's what they do say same doctors that performed the autopsy on hannaford doesn't surprise you not in the least replied heatherwick i expected it they're sure of it dead certain but as in hannaford's case they're not certain of the particular poison used however also as in his case they've submitted the whole case to two big swells in that line one of em the man that's always employed by the home office in these affairs and the other that famous specialist at st martha's hospital i forget his name they'll get to work they're at work on the hannaford case now difficult job i understand some very subtle poison probably little known however i believe we've got a clue about it a clue about the poison exclaimed heatherwick what clue well this answered matherfield after you'd gone away from Fligwood's rents yesterday afternoon, and while I was making arrangements for the removal of the poor chap's body, I took another careful look around the room. Now, if you noticed things as closely as all that, you may have observed that Granite's bed was partly in a sort of alcove, the head part. In the corner of that alcove, or recess, just where he could have set them down by reaching his arm out of bed i found a bottle and a glass tumbler the bottle was an ordinary medicine bottle not a very big one it had the cork in it and about an inch of fluid which on taking out the cork i found to be whisky and i should say by the smell whisky of very good quality but i noticed that there was the very slightest trace of some sort of sediment at the bottom there was a trace of similar sediment in the bottom of the tumbler now of course i put these things up most carefully sealed them and handed them over to the doctors for it was very evident to me reconstructing things you know that granite had mixed himself a drink a nightcap if you like to call it so from that bottle on getting into bed 
and then had put bottle and glass down by his bedhead in the corner. And just as I mean to trace that five-pound note, Mr. Heatherwick, so I mean to trace that bottle. How? asked Heatherwick, closely interested. And to what, or whom? To the chemists where it came from, answered Matherfield. It came from some chemists, and I'll find which. There are hundreds of chemists in London, said Heatherwick. It's a stiff proposition. It's going to be done anyway, asserted Matherfield, and it mayn't be such a stiff job as at first it looks to be. See here, there were labels on that bottle, both of them torn and defaced, it's true, but still with enough on them to narrow down the field of inquiry. I've had the face of the bottle photographed. Here's a print of the result. He brought out a photographic print, roughly finished and mounted on a card, and handed it over to Heatherwick, who took it to the light and examined it carefully. It showed the front of the medicine bottle, with a label at the top and another at the bottom. Each had been torn, as if to obliterate names and addresses, but a good deal of the lettering was left. Reader's Note here follows an illustration of the top and bottom pieces of the label. The top piece reads as follows. C period A blank comma Esquire comma blank The mix blank R E as before blank number A period one one five two blank the bottom piece reads as follows note period this medicine has been dispensed by a fully qualified chemist with the blank two possible drugs blank is guaranteed blank wishes of blank the pres hyphen blank mps blank saint w c end of reader's note that top labels the thing mr heatherwick remarked matherfield let me get that hiatus filled up with the name and address of the chemist and I'll soon find out who C.A. Blank Esquire is. The chemist is one in the West Central District. He's a member of the Pharmaceutical Society. He'll have somebody whose initials are C.A. on his books. He'll recognize the number A1152 of the prescription. It's a decided clue. And even if there are, as there undoubtedly are, scores of chemists in the West Central District, I'll run this one down. Heatherwick handed back the photograph and began to pace up and down the room. Suddenly he turned on his visitor, his mind made up to tell him what he himself had been doing. Matherfield, he said, dropping into his chair again and adopting a tone of confidence, what do you make of this? I mean, what's your theory? Is it your opinion that the deaths of these two men are, so to speak, all of a piece? 
"'That is my opinion,' answered Matherfield, with an emphatic nod. "'I've no more doubt about it than I have that I see you, Mr. Heatherwick. "'All of a piece, to be sure. "'Whoever poisoned Hannaford poisoned granite. "'I'll tell you how I've figured it out, "'since the doctors told me only a couple of hours since "'what their opinion is about granite. "'This way. "'Hannaford and granite knew each other at Salathwaite ten years ago.' That night, when Granite left Appleyard in Horse Ferry Road and turned into Victoria Street, he met Hannaford accidentally. Why accidentally? Well, that's what I think, said Matherfield. I figured in that way. Of course, it may have been an appointment, but anyway, they met. We know that. Now then, where did they spend their time between then and the time they got into your carriage at St. James's Park. We don't know. But here comes in an unknown factor. What about the strange man at Victoria, the man muffled to his eyes? Two things suggest themselves to me, Mr. Heatherwick. Did Hannaford take Granite to see that man, or did Hannaford and Granite meet at that man's? For I think that man, whoever he is, is at the bottom of everything. Why should they meet at that man's? asked Heatherwick. Well, answered Matherfield, I think that secret of Hannaford's has something to do with it. He had the sealed packet on him when he left Malter's hotel. It had disappeared when we searched his clothing after his death. Now the granddaughter says it had to do with chemicals. Suppose the tall, muffled man was a chap whose business opinion on this secret Hannaford wanted, and that they met at Victoria and went to the man's rooms somewhere in that district. Suppose Granite, another man in the chemistry line, came there knowing both. Suppose the muffled man poisoned both of them to keep the secret to himself. Do you see what I'm after? Very well. There you are. The thing is to hunt out that man, whoever he is. I wish I knew what Hannaford's secret was, though. It's precise nature. Matherfield, said Heatherwick, I'll tell you. You've been very confidential with me. I'll be equally so with you, on condition that we work together from this. The fact is, I've been at work. I'm immensely interested in this case, ever since I saw Hannaford die in that train in that awfully mysterious fashion. It's fascinated me, and I'm going to the very end of it. Now I'll tell you all I've been doing, and what I've discovered. Listen carefully. He went on to tell his visitor the whole details of his visit to Salathwaite, of the results of his investigations there, and of Rona's doings and observations at Riversreed Court. Matherfield listened in absorbed silence. "'Is Miss Hannaford going to this secretaryship, then?' he demanded abruptly at the end of Heatherwick's story. "'Is it settled?' "'Practically, yes,' replied Heatherwick. "'I heard from Lady Riversreed this morning. So did Mr. Kenthwaite.' We gave Miss Hannaford, to be known to Lady Riversreed as Miss Featherstone, very good recommendations for the post, and I expect that as soon as she's had our letters, Lady Riversreed will telephone to Miss Hannaford, 
that she's to go at once. Then she'll go. To act as a spy, suggested Matherfield. If you put it that way, yes, assented Heatherwick, though from what she saw of her yesterday, Miss Hannaford formed a very favourable opinion of Lady Riversreed. However, I'm so certain that somehow or other, perhaps innocently, she's connected with this affair, that we mustn't lose any chance. And Miss Hannaford will report anything likely to you? asked Matherfield. Just so. Miss Hannaford's duties don't include any Sunday work. On Sunday, she'll come to town, and if there's anything to tell, she'll tell it. To me. She's a smart, clever girl, Matherfield, and she'll keep her eyes open. Matherfield nodded, and for a while sat silent, evidently lost in his own thoughts. "'Oh, she's a clever girl, right enough,' he said suddenly. "'Hm. I wonder who this Lady Riversreed really is now.' "'This Lady Riversreed,' laughed Heatherwick, "'a multi-millionaires.' "'Ay, just so. But who was she before her marriage? "'If she is the woman who was known as Mrs. Whittingham, "'can there be any doubt about it after what I found out?' "'You never know, Mr. Heatherwick. "'Lord bless you. "'They talk about the long arm of coincidence. "'Why, in my time, I've known of things "'that make me feel there's nothing wonderful "'about the most amazing coincidence. "'But if Lady Riversreed used to be Mrs. Whittingham, "'then I'd like to know all about Mrs. Whittingham "'until she became Lady Riversreed.' and who she was before she was Mrs. Whittingham, if she ever was Mrs. Whittingham. Stiff job, Matherfield, said Heatherwick. I think we shall have enough to do to keep an eye on Lady Riversreed. You anticipate something there, suggested Matherfield. I think something may transpire, replied Heatherwick. Matherwick got to his feet. Well, he said, keep me informed and I'll keep you informed. We've something to go on. Lord knows what we shall make out of it. You're doing your best to trace the tall man? asked Heatherwick. Best, exclaimed Matherfield, with an air of disgust. We've done our best, and our better than best. I've had special men all round the Victoria district. I should think every tall man in that part's been eyed over, and I believe that Mr. Ledbitter has so got the thing on his brain that he's been spending all his spare time patrolling the neighborhood and going in and out of restaurants and saloons looking for the man he saw of course without result all the same said heatherwick that man is somewhere Matherfield went away, and except at the inquest on granite, whereat nothing transpired which was not already known, Heatherwick did not see him again for several days. He himself progressed no further in his investigations during that time. Rona Hannaford betook herself to Riversreed Court as secretary to its mistress's home, and until the Sunday succeeding his departure, Heatherwick heard nothing of her. Then she came up to town on the Sunday morning, and, in accordance with their previous agreement, 
Heatherwick met her at Victoria and took her to lunch at a neighboring hotel. Anything to tell? he asked when they had settled down to their soup. Any happenings? Nothing, answered Rona. Everything exceedingly proper, businesslike, orderly. And Lady Riversreed appears to me to be a model sort of person. Her devotion to that home and its inmates is remarkable. I don't believe anything's going to happen, or that I shall ever have anything to report. Well, that'll have its compensations, said Heatherwick. Leave us all the more time for ourselves, won't it? He gave her a look to which Rona responded, shyly but unmistakably. She knew, as well as he did, that they were getting fond of each other's society, and they continued to meet on Sundays, and three or four went by, and still she had nothing to tell that related to the mystery of Hannaford and Granite. Three weeks elapsed before Matherfield had anything to tell either. Then he walked into Heatherwick's chambers one morning with his news in his face. "'Traced it,' he said. "'Knew I should, that five-pound note. Brand new. Only a question of time to do that, of course.' "'Well?' inquired Heatherwick. "'It was one of twenty fivers paid by the cashier of the London and Country Bank in Piccadilly "'to the secretary of Vivian's,' continued Matherfield. "'Date, day before Hannaford's death. "'Vivian's, let me tell you, is a swell nightclub. "'Now then, how did that note get into the hands of granite? "'That's going to be a stiffen.' "'So stiff that I'm afraid you mustn't ask me to go in at it,' agreed Heatherwick, good-humouredly. "'I must stick to my own line when the chance comes.' The chance came on the following Sunday, when, in pursuance of now-established custom, he met Rona. She gave him a significant look as soon as she got out of the train— "'News at last,' she said, as they turned up the platform. "'Something's happened. But what it means, I don't know.'" End of chapter 9